This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Playoffs. Hello and welcome to NL Playoffs. My name is Gautam. I have with me my co-host Aniket. Aniket say hi. Hello world. This is round 14 of our podcast. Uh we are what two weeks worth the number of days Aniket so uh has a good rig to it I think. Uh we are recording this on the 2nd of February at 9:15 a.m. India time. Aniket there are lots of sports going on but you and I haven't caught up with all of it so we have which is why we have uh, a, a fellow subscriber joining us to talk about everything that's happened at the Australian Open that just concluded we have with us Abhijit Abhijit how are you doing man I'm very well thank you how are you boys doing good alive and kicking yeah alive and kicking Abhijit by the way is our uh, first recurring guest recurring podcast guest so you have that distinct honor abhijit so thanks for coming on again man we really value your uh, sporting knowledge especially in tennis uh, you actually uh, talked to us briefly about uh, the work that you do with the uh, with the indian tennis program that you do i know that you have an instagram page and all of that so if you want to go ahead and plug it also that would be great sure so indian tennis delhi is a, a group of 70 uh, let's say volunteers all around the world what they do is they just update audiences with uh, updates regarding indian players coaches and events and this is a non-profit organization so everybody is just like a tennis fan and if all of us are just you know taking time out um, to work on this project uh, i would uh, recommend everybody to go and check out indiantennisdelhi.com and follow them on social media as well for sure man definitely yeah go check it out guys uh, aniket uh, we, we will be talking a lot of tennis today with the australian open that just concluded with uh, uh Ashley Barty and Rafa Nadal I'm sure we'll talk more and more about both of them uh but I'll let you take the lead on the headlines today sure so something that's uh on national headlines today and also we'll come into the sports section is that uh the union budget was released so in the Lok Sabha the finance minister Nirmala Sitharaman on Tuesday revealed an increase in funds for more than rupees 300 crore in the sports allocation and this is compared to last year So the total budget allocation for this year now stands at uh, 3062 crores and this is an increment of around uh, 300 crores as i said uh, compared to last year. So that is some form of uh, good news for uh, Indian sports because uh, the the amount that's allocated into the national youth empowerment program has been increased as a result of this increment to about 138 crores and also the Khelo India program's budget has now been bumped up. to 974 crores so i'm only guessing uh, this can be good for the sporting world hopefully the money is well utilized well that is the key right the money hopefully the money is well utilized uh, the budget can increase budget allocations are always there uh, we were talking about very briefly to sharda agra about it in our last episode too as to how you know these associations are not exactly the best when it comes to utilizing their resources that they have Uh, by the way guys check check out our uh, last episode with Sharda Agra it was a really eye opening conversation with her she has been she is a seasoned uh, seasoned journalist uh, so we talked a lot of things so definitely 
check that out uh, but yeah abhijit quick question to you i know you work with uh, the uh, the indian tennis stuff uh, do you do you guys get any kind of uh, uh, resource allocation from the national government at all or is it all private it's all private for now uh, but because uh, you know it's just uh, that's how we function until now but yeah maybe in the future if we want to let's say send volunteers across different events to cover the events you know uh, stuff like that so yeah maybe we will seek some funding in the future well hopefully you get it without a lot of red tape but we'll see how that goes right so uh, that's from the indian budget uh, the other stuff that we want to talk about is a sport that we both always converge on gotham is uh, football so obviously uh, the transfer market has been buzzing cuz the this is the winter transfer market that opens for a short duration and uh, a lot of time clubs are either papering over their cracks at this time or you know finding outlets to either win or avoid relegation so that's typically how this uh, transfer saga goes so or trying to fire the coaches well said cuz that's you've seen a lot of that happen this time as always i think it it's always been the thing that you all have either have a coach leaving or coming in so so this time there has been some interesting signings as you know so and we want to talk about that especially in terms of coaches so just to give a brief overview of what's happening so one thing's very interesting i've noticed is a lot of good players are actually going to run out of contracts this summer so you'll have players like kylian mbappe pogba rudiger dybala all of them by the by the coming summer are actually going to be Uh, out of contracts so now they're in the market looking for new contracts and what's very interesting is that you we are now seeing that clubs actually facing monetary issues because of what's happened in the past uh, year due to covid so you don't have these crazy contracts going on now like barca gave usman dembele you know uh, for 350 400000 pound per week salary just to sit on the bench and uh, get injured so uh, clubs are now being much more cautious about how they actually uh, spend this money and uh, where it's going to go i'm guessing that's a good thing for football because uh, uh, it's it's because of stuff like this my club barcelona has actually run itself into the ground and we are doing some uh, very funny stuff or i don't know shady stuff i don't know how do you say it but uh, yeah so our signings have been a little off the charts this time so i'm very interested to basically briefly talk about that yeah just talk to talk to us about that uh, anika just curious because i know barcelona is in this big hole big financial hole but they still ended up signing ferran torres they signed adama traore i know it's on loan but they'll probably buy him after this season who knows they got obamiang from arsenal who was in his own uh, uh, bowl of hot soup without there uh, tell us what tell us what the thinking is behind because they're already struggling uh, and the whole uh, dembele thing too yeah so a lot's going on at barcelona for ex- just like you said like uh, i mean everyone knows this but just say it again we got rid of our uh, star player lionel messi last year because we couldn't afford his wages anymore and now uh, we've run into problems because our youngsters especially ansu fati and pedri are actually running into a lot of injuries so ansu fati's been injured again and you we saw him walk uh, off the pitch while he was crying so it was terrible and uh, that's led to a couple of signings so there's ferran torres we've signed from man city and the i think he signed for 55 million plus additional 10 million on depending on some conditions so that's an interesting signing we had usman dembele whom i briefly spoke about and he's on an extremely huge contract and he's uh, 
well, not been the best of uh, signings of Barcelona because uh, there is I- injury problems, there is associated with him, there's discipline problems. So a lot of times uh, he's been, you know, late for training or various indisciplines, not following diet or uh, all all possible. He's covered the spectrum, I think, of uh, the th- things you can do. And he also doesn't show up in a lot of games. Like it's it's basically, I think it's his, he's a moody player. So he shows up, I think, when he wants, which is... Uh, not working out for Barcelona. So we were trying to offload him, uh, or basically reduce or re-sign him for a lower wages. But then he's uh, refused to sign a lower wage as of now. That contract was repealed. So we are now basically said that he's going to leave. So he's uh, a lot of clubs are interested. Uh, PSG and Tot- uh, Chelsea were both interested in getting him. But I think nobody has signed because they know that in six months they're going to get him for free anyways. So uh, he's not been signed, but we've signed, like you mentioned, Adama Traore, who was not even the Wolves' first team. So we've uh, signed him. But I think the signing was from the perspective of actually trying to tell Dembele that we found someone who can play our position, if not long term, at least for this season. And uh, Adama Traore has actually taken a severe wage cut to actually come to Barcelona. So uh, rumors say that he's uh taken a wage cut he's getting about 15 to 20000 pounds per week which is pretty low uh compared to what is i don't know how far these values are true because this is from the uh, internet uh, but similarly with abamayang so as we didn't have enough disciplinary problems with osman dembele now we want to sign a captain who was not performing and who was benched by mikel arteta we have actually gone and uh, signed him on a free transfer with his own set of disciplinary issues again Absolutely, and uh, it is it is very disheartening to see that Barca even actually signed him. But then the other part is we have our front uh, lead is Luke De Jong, and we are playing with Martin Braithwaite and Luke De Jong out there. So if uh, this deal goes well for Aubameyang, because he I think he's been lucky to get an, uh, out at age of thirty two because he was benched for disciplinary action and uh, now suddenly playing for Barca, I think he's got out lucky. So if he uses it well and if if it serves Barca well, even for six months, I think it will be a decent uh, signing because if he's in form, I think he's definitely better than Luke de Jong and he's someone we would like to have up top playing for us. So this is like a brief overview of what's happening with Barcelona. It's been a busy transfer market, but uh, this is where we are and we are now going to be playing in the Europa League. And uh, I think the goal is to get into the top four next time. I, I mean, that's where we are right now is to try and make it to the top four. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where this takes us. Um, just moving on with uh, something that's common between you and me and how we met Aniket. Frank Lampard has been appointed as the Everton coach. Uh, how about that? Yes, and I'm super excited because he's back uh, managing. Excited to see how he does. Uh, with him come Delhi Ali and uh, I think uh, Van Der Beek, so from United. So two interesting signings. Uh, he's go- I'm excited to see how he does in Everton, because uh, his uh, I think Chelsea stint was cut short, unfortunately, in my opinion. Uh, but I'd be very excited to see how he does. So it's interesting time for Premier League because a lot of transfers have happened, and I don't think we have time to cover all that's happened in the Premier League this time. But uh, we are picking and choosing, so I chose Frank Lampard. Boys, did you check out the Frank Lampard's interview with Gary Neville where they say uh, when they used to go to Tottenham Hotspur, they didn't call it uh, White Hart Lane, they used to call it Three Point Lane. That interview, I think you should check out. Uh, very, enter- very entertaining. And yeah, even I'm excited to see what Lampard does at Everton. 
I I mean with Everton they have had their share of coaches there was Rafa there is Ancelotti there's all these guys right uh, but they still end up being in the same place as before they end up still at the 8th place 7th place 9th place all the time so I mean we'll see what happens but I think it's a good you know good low key kind of a relatively low key uh, club to get into for Frank Lampard it takes him a little bit away from the limelight of Chelsea as Devin before he had a lot of pressure the most there. successful coach <laughs> it will be tough right because uh, carlo ancelotti went there and couldn't do much uh, i mean it just uh, sets the stage pretty high for lampard so it will be interesting to see what he does there let's switch gears and just move on to what we are really here for today which is the australian open that just got concluded um uh now abhijit obviously the big big story is 21 major titles from one of the greatest players of all time nadal winning his 21st did you see this coming at all let's say let's three months before right let's say in 2021 end of 2021 did you see this coming at all with nadal that he's going to make it this far into the into the grand into a grand slam and then win it all Yes kind of I don't know if you remember the last time we spoke on the same podcast I was saying that uh, everybody just talks about Djokovic and Federer being the greatest and you know Rafa kind of never got that uh, due recognition and um, as I said you know these three of them are still active and I had a feeling that Rafa will make a comeback because he always does you know he did it back in 2012 you know his 2013 season was brilliant he did the same in 2017 and he he's like a king of comeback so I was kind of expecting something like this and yeah he did it man 21 grand slams first man to do so brilliant yeah, it's very interesting cuz uh, i uh, i was re-listening to the snippet you sent right and it it rang a bell in my head cuz uh, when you asked this question gotham i'm going to answer it from my perspective i never thought that rafa would be i knew he would get to the 21 slams i mean there was no doubt about it but i never knew he would be the first to get there i never guessed it because and this abhijit's words reminds me cuz he's always been catching up right he's always been uh, the guy who's playing catch up with uh, you know he had federer early in the days where federer was 16 slams i think and rafa was 10 and then there's always this uh, game of catch up being played so now after i saw the finals i'm so glad and so happy for him cuz even the way he won the 21st slam i think he's made a mark just and we'll go to this game let's not uh, jump uh, right in there cuz we have other uh, topics to talk about uh, before we get to the men's finals but uh, even the style of uh, the way he won this slam i think uh, he's uh, commanded the world's respect with uh, this particular victory in my opinion you know what this reminded me a little bit of the final itself reminded me of the federer rodic uh, wimbledon clash when they just when rodic just outplayed federer and then in the fifth set just federer had just he knew at the right time he made the right points right abhijit yeah what a match that was man like i feel bad for rodic you know he the poor guy reached wimbledon final what three times and he lost to federer all three times and uh, yeah i mean medvedev was two sets up and then you know he lost from there so let's talk about uh, medvedev and versus nadal in the final he medvedev was outplaying nadal for the first two sets and nadal kind of was slowly finding his way through kind of the story of uh, his story in the australian open he was kind of finding his way through all of these games he he was dropping sets uh, left and right in his in the lead up to the final anyway what did he make of the whole final so actually i don't know for some some reason i'm uh, thinking of the last year's us open final you know uh, again medvedev 
was so dominant he won the first two sets easily in the third set you know he again he was leading and then i don't know if you remember there was the crowd interruption and uh, he was really frustrated you know uh, but he still managed to close the set out and win the championship i think something similar happened this time you know he took the first sets and then the third set he was you know kind of uh, leading and then something happened with the crowd and then overall this the crowds at this open were quite disappointing and he mentioned the same in the press conference also that you know uh, he didn't like the crowd's behavior and stuff like that and yeah again of course you have to give credit to rafa also that he managed to capitalize on that and made a stunning comeback uh, but yeah i think the crowd had a bit of role to play in this story sure and uh, so i mean let's uh, take this uh, set by set right because uh... that's kind of how i am trying to recap this game is uh, the first set so the first set the way medvedev played i thought it was all uh, done i mean i am like okay cuz especially where uh, i i remember vividly and this is not the only great thing but medvedev was actually playing rough on his backhand uh, and it was like a tactic that was being used right he was uh, putting uh, rafa forcing rafa onto his backhand and then he also medvedev played these straight down the court backhand uh, shots that winners uh, to get uh, rafa and he seemed very confident even after the first set uh, i was killing him on the serve too yeah exactly and uh, it was it was very well played so whatever the plan was i think uh, he was uh, at that point you know uh, i was just looking at the numbers so he was dominating these uh, short rallies hitting more winners i think uh, in the first game and obviously uh com- committing lesser unforced errors cuz rafa was kind of over the place in the first set like uh, especially with the unforced errors that uh, came into play so what were your thoughts like when you were watching this uh, first set and did you did you have anything going on like uh, did you did you guess that this was going to be a five setter or rafa was going to win one way or uh, medvedev the other not really man when the third set started i was like this is medvedev's you know uh championship and then but then again this 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 crowd thing i think we should talk more about it you know because i remember in 2019 us open final also uh medvedev played nadal and you know that time that match also went to five sets uh and in the previous rounds medvedev and the crowd had this i don't know a love hate relationship going on i think yeah they were booing him as he came in too yeah uh so uh stuff like that happens in sports i guess but in tennis uh people who are like the hard tennis fans they know that you should not uh boo or say something between two serves you know stuff like that is just not acceptable but a lot of that was happening and um, yeah uh, i did not expect uh the match to go to five sets just as a quick aside though i don't get the whole you have to be quiet during serve and you have to be quiet during the points thing it's for me at least because as a sport tennis i g- kind of get it i guess but if you take other sports right if you i don't know if you look at chess you need a lot of concentration there's people going around doing all kinds of stuff even cr- take like cricket right you still need if you're a batsman facing i don't know shoaib akhtar or some mitchell stark or somebody at 95 miles and you still need a concentration to play the ball in a cauldron of i don't know 30000 50000 70000 people if you're playing at the mcg so i never got why you have to be silent in games like tennis and golf abhijit so basically it's called something like margin of errors like for example uh, when you're in a when you are playing football or cricket professionally you know the stadium is so big what two people are talking about it does not matter because the it the it doesn't even reach the players you know the noise or the voice or whatever the people are saying uh in chess 
you just have to move a piece, right? Once you have, a, let's say, a move uh, structured in your brain, then you just have to move a piece. But in tennis, uh, the margin of error is so high with your shots because you're, you are tossing a ball and then you're hitting the ball. Uh, and that's the reason that if someone says something just right behind you, it can impact you. Because in tennis, you have to believe that you are going to make this shot. Tennis is a like it's, it's really a mental game. You know, people say it's like a physical uh, sport, but I would say it's like 50, 60, 70 percent mental. It's more mental than I think it's I think Nadal showed it this time that it's about uh, all it's all in the mind this time. I mean, Djokovic is only, I think, uh, someone who I know who can actually uh, doesn't care what the crowd is doing. You know, he's time and again prove that he can overcome uh, crowd noise. And he has the technique, actually. I think in 2019 Wimbledon final, when um, a, a reporter asked him, you know, how do you manage this? He was like, when people chant Roger, I hear Novak. You know, he actually works on all these things. Uh, he works with a sports psychologist. And that's amazing, man. I mean, these are the things to learn. And so I wanted to uh, pull on that thread a little bit because you mentioned the role of the crowd, right? So, uh, at least uh, from what I observed, I think for the first three sets, uh, I, I felt Medvedev was also getting the cheers on the points he was winning and uh, stuff was going all right. I think it's after this third set that you started seeing things go uh, the other way, where uh, even when he was winning points, he was, uh, you know, being booed and there were people shouting through and stuff. But what was most interesting was, I felt like you said, Djokovic learned how to deal with the crowd. I think Medvedev needs to learn how to deal with the crowd. Uh, and I say this because I, I remember there was this uh, point he comes to the net to actually score a sitter, right? He's trying to score, he's trying to hit this sitter and he actually nets it. And uh, that's when the crowd actually boos because he misses it and the crowd boos him. But he's he, at that point, he's instigating the crowd too. Like if you see his reaction, uh, he's actually uh, sarcastically, farcically clapping uh, and saying Rafa or something. Uh, he's uh, you can't read his lips but but he's actually being sarcastic so in some ways uh, you know he's also uh, playing uh, an enemy to the crowd basically so i think you, what you said is very important you've got to learn how to deal with this crowd and i'm pretty sure he's going to learn to deal with it because i'm he's going to win a couple of more uh, slams for sure and especially after rafa i said it so it better come true. The point you mentioned, I think that's where the match changed, you know, pretty much. I mean, I think from there, you know, Nadal just uh, took care of things. And yeah, as you said, I'm very sure Medvedev will learn to deal with the crowd better and he will couple of Yeah, and I think in tennis too, it's it's interesting how as you as as players get older, they know how to handle those pressure situations, right? Especially, you see this all the time. You see, you saw Sampras winning those US Open when he's kind of older. You see Agassi making it to all those Grand Slam finals. You see Federer doing the same. As you grow, tennis is one unique sport where as you get older, you still kind of can, if you're really, really good, you can still kind of remain consistent at, you know, making these Grand Slam semifinals and finals at a minimum, right? There are new players coming in all the time, but it's still the most experienced guys who invariably uh, make the semis and the finals which is super interesting uh now medvedev had his own anger issues too during the tournament abhijit but i think for for the for the most part i think his anger was just justified especially against sitsipas right yeah for sure i mean sitsipas and medvedev have such a, a funny weird uh, history you know i think uh, if audiences have a chance they should go back and check out this 2018 miami match where uh, medvedev won and at the net sitsipas called 
Medvedev bullshit Russian. And it's funny because Sissipas, he himself is half Russian. You know, his mother is Russian and he himself is Greek. And then uh, Medvedev got like really angry and he's like, you know, you're a small kid who doesn't know how to fight. And his English is a bit funny and at least back in the day. And, you know, he said something like, man, you better shut your fuck up, okay? And that became a, like a very iconic line. So that's how their rivalry started. And now I think the head-to-head record is 7-2, something like that. Medvedev is leading. Uh, but yeah, they've always had this rivalry. And um, I think they will have many more years uh, competing against each other. And just remind me if I got this correct, but uh, he was shouting at the chair saying his dad was coaching or something, right? Is is that the thing? So, so again, I understand that in tennis, your coach isn't allowed to interfere in the game, right? So, it, you cannot be coached uh, during the game. So, what is happening here? Can any of you let me know? Sure. So, in tennis, uh, like team sports like Davis Cup, Fed Cup, you know, that's where you are. The coaching is allowed and, you know, there are some lower events, ITF events. Uh, there, there are some events where you can uh, do the coaching, but it's not uh, uh, available on ATP Tour or at the Grand Slam levels. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's an open secret that, you know, Sitsipa's father... Uh, always is giving him coaching signs. It's something like, you know, what happened used to happen with uh, Tony Nadal and Nadal, like, you know, Rafael Nadal back in the day. Um, they had the similar accusations. And yeah, same thing happened this time. So actually, it's funny uh, because this time there was a Greek umpire who was kept under Sitsipas' box and she was signaling the chair umpire when uh, Sitsipas' dad was uh, giving him uh, coaching, you know, and that's how And that's when he got the warning, coach. right? Yep, correct. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. But yeah, Medvedev looks like he's a really, really... I mean, he was justified in his anger, but also he backs it up. He, play, he, he plays a really good game. So there is that. Just talking about uh, Nadal and the big picture, right? So as Aniket said, there's I did not see this coming, at least this time around. So at a minimum, I think he's going to win 22 because there's always going to be a French Open every year. So, so he's going to so let's automatically just... win the French Open anyway, right? <laughs> so let's just give the listeners a little bit of context, right? So come September... Uh, this year, he was actually in crutches, right? He was not walking. Nadal, when I say he, I, I'm talking about Rafael Nadal. So he had uh, undergone injury and a surgery. Uh, was it a foot surgery that he had undergone? Uh, yeah, so a foot surgery. And then while yeah, and then while he was uh, approaching the Australian Open, he contracted COVID and he was out for ten days. So clearly, he's not coming back from playing uh, a lot of tennis uh, or stuff like that. He's actually coming back from one of his uh, slow times, right? And I think even uh, Medvedev mentioned that he uh, that Nadal told him that he had not played for like a lot of time uh, and stuff like that. So from here, and then coming to win the Australian Open in a five-setter against someone who's ten years younger, I think that's the uh, crazy part about. Uh, this victory is that there is this 10-year age gap and uh, boy, Nadal doesn't tire because you saw him getting into his element after the third set because in the first set, he actually looked exhausted. I don't know what it was, but he actually looked tired. Things were not coming into play, but he got into, uh, I I don't know, is it right to call flow state? Uh, But he was uh, in his game, in his element in the third set onwards. He was like the 25-year-old Nadal who... So, I think I saw one difference, though, when I say that. In 25-year-old, Nadal would never leave anything. But now you could see him strategically, tactically conserving his energy, going for uh, balls that are there. So, he did play an extremely smart game. And uh, I wanted to add this because I prepared this in uh, notes and uh, bolded it. Because his strategic use of the drop shot, 
to get uh, Medvedev out. I think he scored about five, six points doing that, but he did it so beautifully. And then uh, I think Medvedev lost a lot of points trying to uh, mimic that. So he did a couple of drops to get Nadal, but Nadal was always there to get to the ball. And uh, oh, it was a, uh, it was such. I, I'm just watching the match in my head again while I'm talking. It's very so. difficult to beat Nadal physically. I think I've only seen him beaten physically twice. You know, it was last year at 2021 Austrian Open when Sitsipas beat him in five sets. Uh, in this uh, quarterfinals, I think. And then uh, again, last year, when uh, Djokovic won against him uh, at uh, French Open. I think those are the two events that I can recall where Nadal was beaten physically. Otherwise, I've never seen Nadal lose physically. And this final also, I mean, it's amazing that he's 35 and Medvedev is 25. But Nadal was the one with, you know, fresher legs in the fifth set. So, yeah, kudos to Salman. And uh, Medvedev uh, was actually called his trainer and getting his... I mean, there's no shame in that, but you can uh, see the, the the amount of toll it actually took on him just playing Nadal. I mean, uh, that guy's a beast, Nadal. I mean, if there's one thing we can learn from his game and from his career trajectory is that he never, never gives up. It's just... Uh, like the young Nadal was just until the until the ball hits the ground for the second time, you knew he was going to get it somehow or the other, right? It's 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 unbelievable how he gets to those balls. I mean, Djokovic is also the same. Don't don't get me wrong, but man, Nadal is when he initially came on, he was just going for it, and he would actually get to the get to those balls and also convert them into winners because invariably what happens was people the the the, op, uh, the opposing player would think that he hit a winner so he would you know just to be sure he would come to cl- come to the net just in case he brought it back but he would convert those really really tough almost hitting the ground balls as winners and just tremendous cross court or down the line passes so uh, unbelievable player uh, i mean i'm sure we'll see him at the french open and i'm sure he'll go far it'll be an upset if somebody beats him at the french open right abhijit yeah, I mean, if Djokovic uh, yeah. <laughs> gets to play French Open <laughs> because uh, the vaccination laws are... Uh, if if you're a foreigner, even if you're a foreigner, if you want to enter a stadium, you need to be vaccinated. So, let's see if Djokovic makes that decision. I doubt he will make that decision. So, we'll probably see him at Wimbledon next. Uh, but yeah, if uh, Djokovic is not playing, then yeah, it's going to be Nadal again. That's my bet. I'm curious to see how many Grand Slams he's willing to let go to uh, get to this i mean i'm just uh, now it's a matter of uh, curiosity like how how what is he willing to let go how strongly does he believe in this because i don't know what his beliefs are by the way but i just know that he doesn't want to be vaccinated so whatever his beliefs are you know whatever makes him a champion on the court is the same thing that puts him in trouble because the psychology is the same you know the self belief that i'm right and you know uh, like i'm doing the right thing uh, I remember I told you guys uh, this, you know, I wrote this article about him and, you know, the power of now. And if you go a bit into that article, you learn how he thinks about stuff and, you know, this even alternative medicine and uh, alternative approach to things. So, yeah, I mean, that's what makes him champion, but that's what's going to ruin his legacy. Yes, also. we'll link that to the show notes for sure. Uh, I read that article, by the way. You guys should check it out too. Anikit, do you have anything else to show about uh, the men's side of things before we move on to the women's side? No. Uh, I think we've mostly covered everything. Uh, just one more shout out to Rafa for 21. But uh, yeah, otherwise I don't want to add anything more. I think we've done a pretty decent job. I mean, I, I don't think there was anything much more we could say because what people have seen is just legendary. I don't think you can uh, just cover it in a uh, voiceover podcast. But go ahead, Abhijit, you want to say something? 
just want to point one last thing. I don't know how Nadal fans going to take this, but if Djokovic was in the draw, <laughs> things would have looked different. For sure. <laughs> I, I think I, it was I just agree. to lose. I mean, true. Uh, you know, and uh, just to... 9-0 at Austrian Open. Just to, and just to set yeah. the record straight, right? So, there are three. Uh, there's Roger Federer, there's Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic. So, the attempt at number 21 has been made nine times by Roger Federer. Nine or eight. I uh, I don't know exactly which one, 9 or 8. I think uh, Roger has made attempts to get the 21st. One uh, by Djokovic and three by Rafael Nadal. So it was, uh, I think this is the third attempt. I think he got the 21st uh, in, if I'm not wrong. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, you uh, know, Rafael uh, Nadal. There, there, are, there are always, yeah, there are always going to be these what ifs, you know, what if this happened, what if that happened, but at the end of the day, yeah, you you just are driven by results. I mean, Fred I mean for sure, and I I, I, yeah. I blame no one but uh, Novak. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's also I mean, Federer would have Novak, never won okay. a French Open uh, as long as Nadal was playing, but Nadal got upset in that French Open, and look, now he has a career slam, right? So it just some of these things, a lot of these what ifs happen in sport, but just so, have to live with and it. And just to add to it, him and Novak both have. Two career slams, right? Like, so, uh, both of them have won each of these Grand Slam twice completely. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I want to ask one more question. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> What's going to happen with Federer, guys? <laughs> I'm like, I think, I, I don't know. I, I hate saying this being a Federer fan, but, oh, wow, it seems uh, very I, unlikely yeah. that there is a comeback coming. Uh, I mean, I Federer. think he's just going to, he's, he's, he's at a, he's at a stage where uh, um, uh, he's enjoying life at the moment. I think he's in a very, very, very comfortable spot. Uh, I don't think he's... I mean, he's obviously very, very competitive. And once he's on the court, he's going to give it all. But I think he's in a mind space where uh, uh, Federer is, you know, just living a good life, enjoying some family time, you know, taking it slow. He has he has a share of injuries. So if he gets back, he's go probably going to pick and choose the tournaments and the Grand Slams that he plays. Uh, I mean, I would, I would be surprised if I see him in the French Open, but he'll probably be back for Wimbledon. Uh, but having said that, he's definitely the third cog on the on that wheel right now. There's no doubt, right, Abhijit? Yeah, man. I mean, Federer is my favorite, but uh, he's 40 years old now. Yeah. It's very difficult to uh, win majors anymore. Yeah. But you never know. If there's, I will never rule out these three guys. You know, <laughs> yeah. ever. I mean. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens. For sure. And also Federer's congratulatory message to Rafa was pretty cool. So he put out a great statement and that just tells us more about their rivalry and how they respect each other. So with that, let's move on to uh, the women's finals. What a spectacular night for Ash Barty and Danielle Collins. This is unbelievable tennis. Congratulations to both of them. Ash Barty won five down. You rock. Well done. Uh, just to set the context, I think in 44 years, no Australian had actually won the Australian Opens, especially women's. Uh, so it was 44 years and uh, they were actually waiting for someone to come and win the Australian Opens. And Ash Barty actually did that. So what did you guys think about the game and her tournament uh, on a whole? Because she did it without dropping a single set, right? So uh, it was uh, pretty epic. So I'll open the floor. Abhijit, thoughts? Man, Ash Barty... From a top cricketer to world's number one player and now to win her third slam, that's just amazing. I'm I'm like, you know, like people do a lot of amazing things in their lifetimes, but 
she's only done too much man it's, it's, <laughs> and she's only 25 it's so, crazy yeah what, what a brilliant player what did you what did you make of her uh, tournament at all was she coming in as a favorite or was she one of the many favorites uh, because we saw we saw all of the uh, i guess the recent successful players crash out early uh we saw osaka crash out early and now that's a whole thing i don't know what's happening with uh, osaka and then uh, what what is the what is the british uh, player's name again raducanu mr raducanu mr raducanu crashed out early she had a change of coaches and now she's now i mean it's probably uh, how the you know like a young player's trajectory goes i guess uh but so she crashed out early so was ash uh, barty one of the favorites or was, was she the favorite coming in she was definitely my favorite because she's world number 1 you know uh, and again i just felt like when she won uh, french and wimbledon people were like can she do the same on the hard courts and, yeah you know she's been deep in the tournaments before so yeah i mean she was a favorite to win and she did uh, but yeah again there are, there were players like you know osaka who always plays good at austrian open and uh, there was a lot of news around uh, fernandez and raducanu who crashed out early but uh, women's game is like that man it's been like that for a few years now uh, i think it's a good thing you know yeah. that means there's a depth in women's game uh, but yeah no, uh, there's nobody near ash right now i mean she's absolutely killing it. yeah and i was also talking to a friend who's actually from australia and uh, her winning it in brisbane was uh, great cuz she's actually a local hero and uh, there and you could see that in the reception after uh, the way she was received after winning and even before actually uh to end uh when we talk about crowd the role of crowd i think even in this game you could see a clear uh uh favorite uh, among the two players and this is where i thought uh, collins took it pretty well like i don't know if you saw her statements after where she said that she just uh, loved it like uh, it was more like challenge accepted so uh i think uh, i love that mentality uh, but otherwise any thoughts Yeah I just want to give a shout out to Collins you know because she is someone who came through the college system and uh, that doesn't happen so often but now I see a lot of tennis players who've gone through the college route and now are going deep in tournaments and winning tournaments so that's amazing to see uh, just for the our listeners who do not know in united states uh, there are three levels like for example if you are getting paid for, uh, to play tennis you are a professional then uh, amateur status is actually given to the people who play college sports uh, so you do not get paid but you know you are playing college tennis for your university so collins did the same and then of course you have recreational players anybody else uh, is just a recreational player so yeah i mean uh, amazing to see such college players winning big what do you make of a game as just as you pointed out a little earlier she she did well on the grass court she does well on clay now she's uh, her weakest tournament for now is the us open i think she only got as far as the fourth round so far she hasn't gone past the fourth round yet i think and the us open so uh, talk talk to us about her style of play and if if she has uh, the game to uh, kind of be good at all surfaces yeah i think uh, she has the game man for sure uh, but i just think us open in general is the most difficult tournament to win these days um, just for men and women both uh, because there are day matches and the night matches it's the world's biggest tennis stadium you know there's crazy noise um, and even if you see men's game uh all the new champs like you know dominic team medvedev del potro uh, marancilic all these boys they won the slam at us open uh it's and you know someone like djokovic who's like the greatest let's say greatest hardcore player of all time he's won only thrice you know uh 
So yeah, I mean, uh, US Open is very difficult, but I'm very sure if Ash manages that a bit, um, she can do better there, and she will win. US is she Open mostly well. a player who who's on the baseline and uses her ground strokes for the most part, or is she does she come into the net? Uh, what what is her style of play? Her, her slice, man, is the best slice I've seen since Justin Henin. I mean, oh, yeah, Justin Henin, hard end, yeah. She has like all the weapons in her game. That's pretty good. And again, she used it pretty well, actually. Her slice to actually uh, control the game, it was, uh, yeah, that's a nice point. I wanted to bring that up. You bought it. Great. I know, uh, last time we spoke, Abhijit, we spoke a little bit about, uh, I think we spoke about Osaka. So, what's what's happening with her? She took a break. Now, she was back for the Australian Open and then she uh, crashed out early. Is there, do you think it is a, 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 a technical thing in her game or do you think it's more of a mental thing that's going on with her right now? Oh... Uh... I mean, her game looks fine to me, you know. Like, I remember Andy Murray, he tweeted about, you know, uh, about Osaka, how well she hits the ball um, on the lines. And yeah, I think technically, you know, at that level, you can't do too many adjustments now. Uh, but then again, I think it's mental. Uh, last year, we know what happened. She decided to take a break and then she was off. Uh, I think, yeah, she just needs to play a lot of tournaments in one go and then we'll see Osaka coming back man I, I still believe her game is there and she can still win many more slams I think she's the best tennis active tennis player right now after Serena I mean and Venus uh, yeah she already has four slams right now I think she's been world number one uh, it's just that this mental health issues you know are uh, stopping her but I think she'll make a comeback soon and I just want to take this point uh, to drive home the fact of how difficult it is actually to perform at that level, uh, being consistent. I mean, we listen to uh, people talk about Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, 20. At, at this point, 20 seems like huh, three people have it, but it actually is not that easy. It, and having consistency at that level is uh, something insane. So I only wish, uh, you know, Osaka gets back because, and my recommendation today will be about uh, the mental aspect of sports too uh, because mindset is the third element. So there are three things like, uh, so Michael Gervais, who's a sports performance psychologist for the Seattle Seahawks, he talks about how you can actually uh, develop three parts of your, uh, uh, of your skills. One is your athletic ability, your body. The other is your actual skill in whatever you're doing. And the third is the mind. So these are the three things you can actually control when you want to become a world-class performer. And uh, most people have a control over these two because you start tennis young, so you have a very good timing of the ball and you train the gym hard. But the third aspect is this mind, which we saw about Rafael Nadal, Djokovic, and all these great guys come in. And it's supremely underrated. But uh, you can see, actually, this is a very good example of Osaka of how it can actually uh, destabilize some of the greatest of players. And only more power to her because I really want to see her back on the circuit and win something. And and Abhijit is right. She has the game. She's, she's a tremendously good player. She has the power game going too. Uh, so yeah, we, we as I think it, it's at, at the end of the day, it is reps at the end of the day. Uh, as Abhijit said, she needs to get into more tournaments and then slowly get into the rhythm of getting on the tour. Uh, so... Uh, that is something that we need to see. Moving forward to the French Open, Abhijit, do you have, again, it is the women's game, it's so hard to pick a favourite before, uh, but now that the Australian Open is complete, we, the focus will move to Roland Garros. So do you have any uh, prospective favourites to win that tournament? 
Uh, again, um, I will give, you know, I will put my bet on Ash. I think she, after winning this Austrian Open, I think, you know, her confidence is going to double now. I mean, she will be fearless at French Open and I hope she wins, man. I, I like uh, seeing Ash win. I think uh, that's good for tennis. I like that. Well, man, she's probably going to finish another career slam or something this year. Take a couple of years break, get into the big bash. Uh, play <laughs> play for the women's big bash you know score some runs gets she's an all-rounder so she can she scores some runs uh, get some wickets and then uh, come back uh, back into individual sport and win some more slams kind of um, unbelievable just, they make it look so simple it's just yeah but, it's almost uh, so natural to her to them right but um, uh, moving on you i saw something in the notes that i had no idea that aniket added which is that uh, we have the uh, there's a f- we have the first all australian pair to win the uh, the men's doubles title uh, since 1997 thanasi kokinakis and our very own nick kirios Kiri- uh, uh, i don't know if you followed this story or not but i had no clue that uh, he was even playing doubles and he won it all man that was for me i think you know like i love that you know they kind of uh, made doubles great again you know it was so fantastic to see all their matches and you know they beat all the top seeds including the first seed and, i think pavic uh, and i forget the other guy the Cro- i think they were uh, czechoslovakian uh, or uh, croatian i think the world croatian. number one uh, pavic and i forget the other gentleman's name but yeah it was so i want to talk about that game actually so they put on a show for the at least the semi final uh, for the audience and uh, so i i was I really had a blast watching that game. So I typically started watching only from semi-finals onwards and especially Nick once he got into his element it was absolute entertainment. But then I was also wondering was it only because they were in Australia? Like would you and the crowd was favoring would you be able to pull something off like this in a, a you know a French Open when it's more neutral and stuff because they did put on a show to the point where it actually got uh, irritating <laughs> to the opponents most of the time you know you could see uh, all the uh, even in the finals the opponents were like kind of edgy even though they were australian right they were playing against an all australian pair but you could see that the, that behavior they were having fun so i have no problem with people are having uh, fun cuz that's what sport is supposed to be yeah. they're supposed to go and enjoy yeah and i think sometimes we take it too seriously i uh, and that's what they made us realize like you got to have fun and i think they're also childhood friends who've uh, yes, been are. together for a while and you could see that so it was very interesting but i wanted to take on uh, the way they played the semis and the finals uh, i just wanted your thoughts on that what did you think abhijit yeah man i mean it's understandable that you know they are playing austrian open in australia you know both players are australians and they were getting the crowd support and but then again as you so you know you say in the final they were playing against another austrian pair but just the fact that Nick Kyrgios's game is like you know so spectacular. People love watching him. You know you can love him, hate him, whatever, but you can't ignore him. You know he's an entertainer. He, yep, can't take your eyes off him. Like a box office. And Thanasi also, he just came back from injuries. He won an ATP title single just before the Austrian Open, so he was in a good form. And uh, I had a blast watching them, man, throughout the tournament. It was great, even on the court, off the court. You know, uh, the war of words between Kyrgios and you know the other opponents. it was fantastic you know michael venus he called uh, curious i think he called him a snob or something and uh, then curious said the stuff you know michael venus was wearing uh, 
on the camera he said that's something i would wear for halloween or something and you know it just <laughs> it was a lot of popcorn stuff entertainment uh, but yeah i'm just glad they won it man they made doubles great again and i hope people watch play and watch doubles more because at when i go to a club you know that's what we usually do we most recreational players they play doubles and doubles was glorious back in the day even singles players used to play uh, doubles but right now it just doesn't happen that often so i'm glad um, that yeah. at least these two are shining some light on doubles kirios is just as you said uh, total box office uh, pavich and mektich by the way is is the other guy who who uh, the australian pair beat out in the second round which is great uh, it is kind of uh, uh, you are right though doubles is super fun to watch other uh, the brand brothers have retired right Yeah. Yes, they have it. Okay, man, I remember them, but they were just uh, I think one of the brand brothers did uh, play with Sanya at one point, didn't he? I'm trying to remember. I'm very sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very much possible. Yeah. Um and uh, yeah, man, even in India, our best Leander Pace and Mahesh Bhupati, it was so much fun yeah. to watch them play uh Pace at the net and you know Bhupati from the baseline. It's doubles are fun, man. I I think I hope uh people watch more doubles. I think it will be great. Yeah, it is also good to see uh, uh, on the Indian broadcast Somdev Devarman yeah it was Somdev Devarman was he was on the he was in the studio it was good to see him but i mean it was not it was overall i think the the pre game and the post game show was just you know yeah it's just meh but uh, it is just just good, good to see him though uh, uh, any other uh, point uh, how did uh, talk talk to us about uh, by the way guys check out Abhijit's piece on Sanya Mirza that he wrote uh, soon after to uh, at news on news laundry soon after she retired so definitely uh, check that piece out uh, wh- what do you make of uh, sanya's australian open yeah i mean she lost the first round in doubles but then she went a deep a bit uh, deep into the mixed um, yeah she had a decent run uh, but i guess i don't know if you saw her she said the other day that she regrets that she announced it right now because she still has like 11 months of uh, you know time to play so but yeah i mean right now i don't care about the results anymore you know i just want to see sanya as long as she's playing uh, because whatever she had to do she's already done it for indian tennis you know she's our india's greatest female tennis player and our biggest tennis star i would say you know i mean of course leander has been you know more successful uh, eating grand slams uh, but just in terms of that star power i think uh, sanya has been more influential um, so yeah i just uh, i just want to see her play man uh, for the rest of the year that's it Yeah I hope so. yeah I hope so too. I think this next 11 months are just about having fun so it will be good for her so it will be good to see her back in action By the way just one point like I I had mentioned in the article you know she inspired me to take up a racket and people are asking me is that true and it's actually true man like to sound fine Australian Open I remember there's a, a club called ladies club I mean gentlemen and kids are also allowed uh, but I was 12 and I remember Sanya's run and then my mom you know actually taking me to the club and you know I started playing tennis I mean of course Sanya and Federer and Nadal you know they were the three big names back in the day for at least for an Indian tennis fan and uh, she inspired a lot of people man so yeah i uh, a lot of people do not realize what she's done but i hope uh, sooner or later people do realize that what she's done for indian sports women that's pretty amazing that's awesome yeah i mean yeah. i think she brought indian tennis onto the map after a lull because obviously it's wrong to say that indian tennis was not there because we always had leander pace mahesh bhupathi sparing 
but it was uh, it was rare to see i mean she also re- prematurely retired from singles but i remember her being the first singles player i indian singles player i actually log signed in to actually watch you know and i can remember her uh, i think australian open with serena williams because uh, the full family got on the television to actually see that game even though it was a it was in a <laughs> rather underwhelming game but it was good to see and indian and it was good to she was the first player i remember actually indian to i tuned in to actually watch playing singles so i think she has done great for the sport and i only wish she does better yeah for our generation she was the first uh, uh, at least for me she was the first player indian player period to at least i watched playing singles right we've always seen doubles and i watched a bit of bhuputi pace but then they split up and it was always you watch either bhuputi in the doubles or pace in the doubles and the mixed doubles but never together and then it was sania right who just came onto the scene and it was good to see her play just singles by herself man i just hope people go back to youtube yeah. and just check out sania's forehand oh my god it's one of the best shots especially a younger sania her forehand was like on fire oh man yeah so. she she kind of initially too she was when she was young she lived and died by that forehand you know so she was just that booming forehand we spoke about uh, her forehand and all of the uh, all of her other stuff off the field as well with sharda last week so last week no couple of weeks in the last episode so do check it out guys uh, i'm kind of plugging that episode again uh, any other uh, uh, any other stand out things for you in the australian open uh, this time abhijit that we missed um i think we've covered it all man i mean uh, now let's see what happens for the rest of the year yeah. um then uh, so one thing people should know that uh, next year uh, there'll be a netflix netflix uh, how do i say a series yeah. about the tennis season uh, uh, so we'll hopefully you know welcome new fans in the sport uh, and uh, yeah i mean i'm looking forward to that it will be for, for tennis That's yeah that Netflix documentary sounds uh, pretty cool so I I I know any any sports documentary or sports content out there I'm always game for that uh, so I'm definitely going to check that out Anika did you have anything else for the Australian Open No I just wanted to ask a, a provocative question and then leave it at that for tennis so do you see the results of uh, the men's and women's singles repeating in Roland Garros this time Medvedev is not going to reach the final of French Open I'm I'm I meant the I meant just the Grand Slam winners like Ash Barty and Rafael Nadal picking it up again. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, Djokovic is not playing, my bet is on Nadal, and yeah, in women's anyway, my bet is on Ash. So yeah, I would say Abhijit putting his neck on the line like last time, and last time he was right, and he's probably going to be right again for the French Open too. I'm sure you will have him on for the French Open once uh, during the French Open also. So there was a, a big announcement just last night uh, uh, that Tom Brady is going to retire now. to lay some context right uh tom brady uh, was a quarterback for for the most part for the team called new england patriots and for a couple of years he played for this team called the tampa bay buccaneers right now he his position is the quarterback so the quarterback in nfl especially on the off- offense side of things is he's like the point guard uh, in basketball he is the person responsible to initiate everything he's like the general what what he does for every play dictates the whole uh, uh play of the others on the offense right so he's the guy who gets the ball every on every play and he's the guy who's either passing it to somebody else or handing it off for for another guy to run forward at the end of the day in nfl similar to rugby you have to move forward and get to the end zone 
right? So uh, the quarterback is the most important position uh, in the NFL. So Tom Brady was a guy who came in uh, in the 2000, in the year 2000, in the 2000 draft, because uh, as as Abhijit shared, uh, similar to some of the tennis uh, players, uh, the football players, uh, the American football players come in through the college system. So once they are out of college or once they decide to get out of college, they enter this draft and then they get picked by individual teams based on their track record and uh, their own analysis, right? So uh, Tom Brady in the year 2000 uh, comes in and he was picked 199th, right? So he was the 199th player to be picked in the 2000 draft. So that tells you that he was not a big prospect. Uh, he retired the, at the age of 44, uh, guys. <laughs> so he came in 22 years ago, he retired at the age of 44. He won the Super Bowl. It's like the championship, right? So there is a season, there is a league. Uh, the league has, uh, they play every season similar to the IPL. He's won it all seven times. He made it to the finals of the Super Bowl 10 times. So he won seven out of 10 Super Bowls in total. Uh, he's, he's won back-to-back -back Super Bowls that you very, very rarely see. He's had a perfect season, which means they won all of the games in the league stage of uh, uh, of of the of a season once. That's only repeated. Uh, I think this is only the second time that any team was able to do it. He did it in two thousand seven with his team, New England Patriots. Uh, he so up until the age of thirty seven, right? He won three Super Bowls. That's all he won: three Super Bowls, right? Uh, he had a major so uh, to lay some context again I know I'm kind of rambling here and there so when he entered his his, his is a story of uh, uh, of comeback his is a story of never never letting it quit his is, his story is of making the most of every opportunity that he got so he was not seen at any stage of his career uh, up until he made it big in the NFL as this really really talented uh, gifted player right he had to earn his spot at all times there is this wonderful uh, video just before he was even enrolled in college. So after high school, there's this wonderful video of his uh, high school head coach introducing uh, Tom Brady on, on video to kind of send it to uh, all the colleges. So he goes, hey, this is Tom Brady. Check him out. He's my qu starting quarterback for uh, New Metal High School or something like that. So it's so he started from there, went to, went to uh, the University of uh, Michigan. Uh, he was struggling there too. He was never the first choice up until his third year in college. Uh, sorry, Aniket, go ahead. So I was going to interject and say that even his break in NFL was when he came in for an already quarter, uh, playing quarterback, right? So I that think uh, that's how he broke in, if I remember right. correct. So the, even in college, right? So even before that, even in college, he was never the first choice. He had to earn his spot in his third year. And then eventually he became the starting quarterback in college. So then on a whim, the Patriots selected him as... Uh, uh, the, their second choice quarterback because there was already a starting quarterback on their team uh, called Drew Bledsoe. Now, in his in, in Brady's first year, uh, the starting quarterback, Drew Bledsoe, as I just said, got hurt, like randomly got hurt. It was just one of those freak injuries. He So Tom Brady came in to replace him because he was the second string guy. And that was that. He never looked back from there. In his very first year, he won the Super Bowl. Literally the first year he came in, mid midway, midway into the season, took took charge 
uh as i said his is a story of making use of every opportunity that he got once he got the opportunity he never never even gave a second chance to anybody uh so uh in his literally the first season he went on to win the super bowl and he won back to back again uh, at at the age of 37 uh in 2014 uh he had you know everybody thought you know he has his three super bowls he's 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 going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time he already has a hall of fame career 37 is probably done but no this is this was his like third third revival he started winning again um, he talked about he all uh, off the field he always kept talking about how he wanted to play until the age of 45 45 was his age he wanted to continue but nobody believed him because that never happens in sport right that's not even possible <coughs> we've never seen that happen in any sport l- leave leave football but just uh, in any sport you hardly see anybody play over the age of 40 but he was extremely vocal about playing till 45 he took tremendous care of his body he had his own tb12 diet regimen and all of that he claimed that he never ate strawberries for like two decades or something so uh, there's there's this whole uh, insane insane uh, drive that he had to play every season and win it all so at age of 37 he wins uh he wins a super bowl in 2016 he wins another super bowl which is probably perhaps his greatest super bowl win ever when they played the this team called the Atlanta Falcons they were Seattle down Seahawks no they were playing the Atlanta Falcons uh they okay. were down 28-3 so they were down by 25 points which is seen as impossible it, the game was almost what 60% done there was no way they were coming back and then he just flips that switch and then they scored i don't know 25 unanswered no 28 unanswered points i think from then on uh, quite an unbelievable game uh, i don't know uh, and then he just uh, you know he wins another super bowl so he wins a total of six super bowls with the new england patriots as if that was not enough uh, the patriots you know made their calculations and said look you are 42 years old the history has shown that there is no way that you're going to be at your peak for this long so we're going to not renew your contract so he fell out with the team he went to another team called the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out in Florida uh, again nobody thought that he would go to Tampa Bay they thought they would go to he would go to some other flashy teams but he chose to go there and in his first year on that he wins the super bowl again at the age of 43 uh, defying all odds so his was a drive that is probably on par with all of the greats like woods jordan sachin anybody you take in any sport uh just the drive to win just the drive to compete just the minor things that you used to take care of every every day day in day out not just during the season but during the off season is what stand stands out and i think making the most of every opportunity that he got in every stage of his career is something that stands out so uh, abhijit i i don't know if you follow tom brady or anything about the nfl at all what do you think of uh Tom Brady and his retirement You know what I think of Tom Brady he made an Indian guy get up early in the morning and watch a couple of super bowls you know that's what he did I mean uh, as a sports management professional you know I'm always interested in um, you know uh, sports in general and especially North American sports uh, what they do with the business is amazing so I was always interested in NFL NHL NBA um stuff like that and uh, I do enjoy basketball a lot and you know ice hockey is also i've seen a couple of games and they're exciting but baseball and american football wasn't that exciting t- until i've watched the super bowl you know i remember watching the game against seahawks and um, after that i've seen a couple of uh, super bowls because of tom brady and my favorite part about him is like uh, in american media you know they the critics they always shut him down 
and then he always came back winning man and now he has seven championship rings the most in the history if i'm not wrong so that's amazing to see and to do this till the age of 44 that's another that's just mind blowing you know i remember uh, like last time he won super bowl last year yeah uh, federer also sent a congratulatory post uh, their picture from the met gala you know federer and tom brady next to each other and uh, like that's kind of you know federer is taking inspiration from tom brady you know because federer is also in his 40s now so yeah tom brady has been very influential and um, for anybody who doesn't know it's like you know people who don't know tennis they would know who serena williams is you know it's like people who don't follow american football but there's a very good chance that you would know who tom brady is so that's the legacy of this great man and um, i hope uh, you know he's as influential as he's been on court off court as well yeah quite unbelievable uh, aniket just uh he's i i don't think there's any debate right now he's he is the greatest to ever do it in american football it will be weird uh, watching i don't follow a lot of nfl but i do keep up with it and i watch like key games and stuff like that it's kind of a boring game to watch honestly but tom brady man you know when if there was like 2 minutes left or 1 minute 30 seconds left and the and the and tom brady had the ball and they were uh, you know down by 3 points or something you knew that he was going to win it all he here is he was a guy who was not especially skilled when it comes when it comes to his physical abilities he had a really good arm but that was all that he had he had no running ability he couldn't he couldn't move properly but just his drive just his intelligence high iq stuff he was also one of the gifts that he had was of the coaching staff he had this great coach called bill belichick uh on the new england patriots they just got they had there was just a tremendous partnership he he was as driven as tom brady too so it just worked out it just fit everything perfectly but just yeah greatest of all time to do it no for sure and uh, just like so just uh, an honest uh, thing out there i don't watch a lot of nfl but i did start watching nfl after the game with seattle seahawks so cuz uh, it was all over the news when it happened and uh, i was like oh let me go and i went saw the highlights and i'm like oh maybe i should catch the next super bowl after this so and that's how it's been so i typically watch only the super bowls i don't know much about tom brady but if you've seen this game once you've definitely heard of tom brady and uh, you know what he's done and keeping everything aside so you covered the part of this game but just being an athlete at the age of 44 i'm nowhere there i'm not an athlete but i'm already contemplating retirement so just being there and performing at that level consistently day in day out is just insane and it requires so much of so much dedication so much hard work and i think that part of uh, this is really uh, not put enough light on on what these players beyond 40s are actually required to do to perform at that level so uh, hats off to him and uh, like you said i think he is an entrepreneur too so he has his own company it's called tb12 and stuff so let's see he uh, let's hope he does uh, interesting and amazing stuff with that off the field I mean people think I mean people think if he retires at 44 he probably retired as like this old guy who who had really bad you know last You should go and you should Google, you should Google <laughs> Tom Brady images then. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was he's aged really well and also he did not go out on a low. He 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 went out on kind of a peak he as Abhijit said he won a Super Bowl last year. He made it to the to the to the quarter finals let's say he made it to the last he made it to the playoffs and he was made it to the last eight he was good in his last game so it's not as if he was playing badly because of age he just left on a high because he thought he was not 
competitive enough anymore so that tells you the mark of how great an athlete he is if he's still making it uh, in deep into these tournaments but still feels like he's not there anymore so that just tells you the standard that he set for himself so quite quite an unbel sorry gotten just to add to that so i was reading a new york times article so there was also some speculation about him retiring then him coming out immediately saying not yet and then finally i think he put out on social media saying he was retiring but a new york times article i think we can attach it to our show notes basically talks about him retiring cuz he believes he's not 100% committed anymore so it was at that point that he's actually calling uh, retirement and not to the point where actually slumping in your career and wondering what's going to happen next but he's he's there right at the top and he's like oh maybe i don't want to give this another shot with that same intensity and that's why i'm calling it quit so well uh, that's pretty awesome yeah quite 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 unbelievable career so yeah if you guys don't know who tom brady is do check it check him out i'm going to recommend uh, one of his uh, documentaries at the end so uh let's let's move on i think we should finish up uh, i should i should we would i would remiss if we do not plug news laundry guys go check out news laundry go to newslaundry.com hit that subscribe button uh, people are on the ground right now covering the elections in uh, goa up kerala i know there are other states too uh, my my gk is wrong at this stage, at this point of time but there are people out there on the ground uh, news laundry journalists out there on the ground cameramen producers so go check it check all of our ground reports out go check out our youtube channel go check out all of our podcast go to newstory.com and more importantly hit that subscribe button we abhijit is a subscriber aniket is a subscriber i'm a subscriber this is how we all met so it's a, it's it's a wonderful platform wonderful website wonderful uh, community to be a part of so hit that subscribe button and subscribe to newslaundry and i'd also like to add that uh, so if you've seen from our previous episodes and today's episodes we like having guests over because we are not experts so if you have anyone in mind or if you want to be a part of this podcast reach out to us uh, via the uh, form i think we have a podcast form and you can write uh, directly to us so you can do that or uh, podcast@newsroundry.com is another way to reach us but we prefer if you could just use the link under the podcast forms and uh, write to us so guys pay to keep pay to keep news free <laughs> and uh, watch our coverage uh, of the elections and uh, keep democracy thriving with that abhijit uh, any recommendations uh, anything you want to sh- you want to share to enrich the life of our subscribers sure so i just want to uh, uh, i want sub- subscribers to check out this article called roger federer as religious experience by david foster wallace i think that's like the highlight of sports writing anybody who enjoys sports or writing should check out the article it's beautifully written uh, and the second uh, recommendation i have the other day i was rewatching rush uh, the movie uh, not the imran ashmi one uh, the one which is about nikki lauda and uh, james hunt uh, i mean that rivalry was itself great but again the movie adaptation was also so i think it's cinematically very well done and uh, i don't know i got goosebumps man watching that film the story of nikki lauda is so so inspiring so yeah if you haven't watched that film please go check it out gotham i think those are fantastic yeah. recommendations i recommend uh, rush too guys go watch it nikki lauda is a person you would really want to learn more about uh, gotham you is there any background noise right now could you check otherwise i'll let aniket go first there's no background noise you're clean okay so my recommendation is going to be 
Mr. 199, the story of Tom Brady. It's a documentary about Tom Brady, so do check it out. And that is my only recommendation, Aniket. Okay, so I'm going to uh, uh, have three recommendations. So one is for tennis. I just found this intriguing. It's about how it's by Financial Times, and it's like the players how they struggle to break even. So we see, uh, you know, these athletes who are million-dollar athletes, but what does it actually take to get there uh, and to play uh, play as a professional and what life is like on the road? I think this article does a pretty decent job of explaining that and uh, it's pretty interesting. So that's one of my recommendations. The other one was following uh, Abhijit's comment on mindset and Rafael Nadal fighting back. So there's this amazing podcast called Finding Mastery. It's hosted by Michael Gervais, who's a sports performance psychologist and uh, he was involved in a lot of these uh, training a lot of world-class athletes i think even felix bomber who actually jumped from space so michael jove was uh, consulting with him so he has this podcast called finding mastery where he interviews world performing uh, world-class performers and uh, the whole uh, podcast the name says it's about finding masteries what do these performers do different from normal people right so like I already mentioned, there is the body you can train, there is the skill set you can enhance, and then there's the mind. So he talks about the psychological aspect. So if you're wondering which episode to watch, there are like, I think, 200 of them. So one I found very interesting was with Richard Harris, and this is on the Tham Luang Cave Rescue in Thailand. So the diver who actually, who's a doctor, uh, goes into this cave and uh, anesthetizes his children, get them out from the cave. So it's a very famous uh, rescue operation that was done so i think this is one episode that was really nice so that's my second recommendation and the third is uh, the book open by andre agassi so i just finished reading that uh, i think it was well timed coincidentally with the australian open and i thought that was such a nice it's read the best and a fun read. autobiography of all time there's no doubt about it it's just one right okay so i'm not best. the only one who feels that way because oh, yeah. i was blown reading that book and i was like wow so okay, that's it is not the benchmark of all so autobiographies, all sports autobiographies. Everybody tries yeah, to man. live up to Andre Agassi's Open, but yeah, wonderful. Uh, I should also, uh, yeah, go ahead, Abhijit. Sorry. Language of life, you know. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, people should definitely check out the book. It's so beautiful. I written. forgot. I should also uh, recommend uh, Abhijit's speech on uh, Sanya Mirza just after retirement on News Laundry. So do check that out, guys. And with that, we'll take leave. So. Uh, we've not thought of a sound clip, but we'll, no, we'll find we'll a sound off, clip. We'll play off with uh, Nadal's 21st Nadal. Grand Slam win. Yeah, that's what you're yep. going to play our listeners off with. Uh, the moment when uh, Nadal won uh, his 21st uh, Grand Slam title. So, Abhijit, thanks a lot again, man, for coming on. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you more. Thank you so much, guys. I'm sure, as I said, I'm sure we'll have you more. You're, uh, you're a great guest. You're, your knowledge, especially on tennis, is par uh, none. So, thanks for coming on again. Thank you so much, Drew. Yeah, thank you for your yeah. time and we look forward to more of this. So I think uh, there are, in my head at least, there are four, Abhijit is going to come four times at least for each of the Grand <laughs> Slams. Not just for you, he's <laughs> so, going to come on for some of our uh, flashback episodes, too, I'm sure. So Exactly, uh, so at least, more than four is, I use the yeah. word at least four <laughs> times in year. So mark your calendars. <laughs> Tennis, call me anytime, I'll be in. All right, thank All right. you. Thank, thank you again. You. Yep. So we'd also like to thank our producer Jude for making this possible as always. So thank you Jude, thank you for bearing with us and uh, making this a fun podcast. Yep. And uh, thanks to our listeners again. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. 
All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.